Well, we are back for another episode of the Habit Shift Podcast. I guess we are on episode eight now, and so it's exciting that we're kind of progressing along. We're almost to, what, double-digit numbers there? That would be a big milestone, wouldn't it? Ten. Yeah, Ten. you're right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> eight plus two, that, yeah, that, does. that gives us uh, an extra digit. So that's <laughs> for doing Roman numerals, you know, then that would be a different thing. But um, yeah, I digress. So we are here to talk about protein today, not not Roman numerals or multiple digit numbers. So uh, today we're we're excited. We got Ian, Sandy, and Sarah, and myself again here as usual to talk about all things protein. And uh, so, how are you guys doing today? Is this an exciting topic for you? It's one that comes up an awful lot for people, um, so I think that's why it's a good one to cover. Yeah. Because coaches, we all know that most people, general population, don't eat enough protein and then they struggle to fit it in. So, And also, I don't think many people understand why it's important either. So hopefully we will cover all of that for you today. Yeah, definitely. I'm fine, well, Ian, Jeff. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ian, you, you always like to do, you do such great videos for your clients with your educational stuff. And so maybe you can kick us off with talking about what is protein and just the, maybe the general gist of why it's so important that, uh, that we make sure we're getting enough of it. Yeah, I think uh, it's a bit of a continuation on of last week's episode where we're talking what is um, in a good diet and we kind of talk about protein a little bit and we can go a bit more in depth into it today. So um, protein generally is made up of 20 amino acids, um, which is double digits, but then nine of which is essential and that's only one digit. Um, <laughs> and typically within a diet, we want to be, our body can synthesize the non-essential amino acids, so those 11, uh, where it can't synthesize those other nine. So we need to extract those nine amino acids from our diet. We have something called calorie balance. So we burn X amount of calories per day and we intake a certain amount. We also have something called nitrogen balance, which is also known as protein balance. We um, break down protein, but we also must build up protein or synthesize protein through the ingestion of protein sources, ideally from whole protein sources. There you wow. go. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. It, it, so did that answer your question? Yeah. So it's important. It's, it's something that we have to get through the diet. We, uh, um, if we don't, then we're going to be lacking in that area. And uh, what are some of the functions of, of protein? Anybody want to dive in with that? Just as far as, um, you know, why it is so important that we make sure we're getting enough, that we're getting those amino acids that Ian was talking about. Well, I guess um, I'll carry on from that. All right. yeah, my, my, mouth, my mouth's dry now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what it's for is you know, muscle retention, muscle repair, muscle growth. Um, it's also really good for satiety because it has a higher thermic effect than um, the other macronutrients. Um, also great for immune function as well, cell production um, and formation. Um, yeah, that's all I got. 
Yeah, Rick well, that's good. That's yeah, definitely important. What were you going to say, Sarah? I was going to say like hair, skin, and nails. You know, that's one thing that a lot of people, especially the females, seem to notice when they up their protein. They'll, you know, because you don't see a lot of what goes on. And I think this is the difficulty with nutrition. And we probably said this before, but you don't see it happening and the good things that happen within your body. So when people kind of go, oh, my nails are much stronger and my hair's grown and my skin's better, they're kind of tangible things that you actually see. But if you think that that's actually going on with all the processes within your body, because protein is in like every structure that we have um, for strength and, you know, just people tend to think of it as like a, a bodybuilding type thing. And it actually is just vital. We, we can't survive without it, full stop. So... Um, I think that's why it's so important. But I think from a fat loss point of view, what Sandy said, the satiety is probably the one thing that's, it's like your friend. It's the first thing you want to think about including because you just won't be so hungry. And that's massive. Yeah, that's a good point. And then some other things that, you know, related to fat loss and, and uh, weight maintenance and that kind of thing is that, that the energy that we take in through, through protein doesn't seem to, uh, turn into fat very easily either. And so that's, that's also, uh, you know, another thing to consider too. So if you, if, especially if you enjoy protein, it gives you the ability to eat a bit more, uh, uh food and, and that kind of thing. And, um, and that thermic effect that Sandy was talking about is the energy that our body uses to actually break down the food that we're eating. And so it's kind of interesting with, with protein in that, in that way, how it, can be up to about 30% of the calories we take in through protein uh, is required in order to break that protein down so that we can use the energy from it. So, you know, 100 calories of protein, really about 70, 80 calories of that is what's going to end up being absorbed in the body. So kind of an interesting thing there also. So if you're on quite low calories, then that is massive really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it can. Yeah, I think it's Sorry, I think we can learn a lot from the bodybuilding community in terms of mm -hmm. the way they structure their diet. Like ultimately bodybuilders, like especially competitive ones are the best people in the world for maximizing muscle retention and losing body fat, which fundamentally is what the population level person wants to do. But this kind of bodybuilding, um, I don't know, stigma is attached to it. So when uh, namely females seem to eat more protein they're like oh I don't want to grow muscle I don't want to get big or anything like that and it's like don't you worry love I've been trying to do it for 15 years and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm still quite yeah. there you know and like yeah. we know as personal trainers as coaches like the absolute like um challenge the body like you're trying to add tissue on so if you think of something like a fillet steak like you know, you're trying to put that on your body. It just doesn't happen overnight. It's not, and it's so many things like going into that. Like, firstly, you have to be training hard enough and providing that stimulus, then eating not only enough protein, but enough calories to allow recovery and all of that sort of stuff. But fundamentally, like weight management, health, performance, recovery, protein should be consumed within a, a good diet. Don't you think when it comes to bodybuilding, though, people's perception is only what they tend to see? So they either see it on TV where they see the extremes. So they see, you know, your Mr. Olympia or what have you. That's, you know, because they are allowed to take 
substances aren't they to get themselves that big in like the big american competitions i believe um and they look massive you know that's not what you see every day and you see you know it's almost almost like a parody of what a bodybuilder is but actually most normal bodybuilders have just got a lot of lean tissue lean muscle and don't look like what you see as a inverted commas bodybuilder and i think that's what a lot of people think they they have that image and think they're going to look like popeye or something and they're just not it's just not possible i think people always go to the extreme in the head they hear the word bodybuilder and they yeah. go to the biggest the yeah. most kind of like you know anabolically fueled guy and it's like yeah. hey you know like that's not really representative of the general population of bodybuilders especially in the natural scene who yeah. don't take any of that sort of stuff either you turn the phrase around really shouldn't you and just say you're actually just building your body yeah well yeah. it is Definitely. yeah like you know like a lot of the um recommendations are made resistance train eat appropriate protein levels mm. and all that and that's kind of what bodybuilding is mm. yeah yeah definitely that's a good point well what are uh how do we how do we make sure that we get enough protein what are some ways that you you guys do that well i guess how much protein should we be getting would be a good place to start and then from there we can maybe talk about how to make sure we're getting enough uh, in various ways because there's different ways that we you know tracking non-tracking and different things like that so uh who'd like to kick that off maybe how much how much do we need i'll start with the um recommendations because that is kind of what people tend to go to and they'll mm -hmm. look at you know the government advice and i think that's still 0.8 grams per kilogram but that should be the very minimum that anybody has and when they set these um, RDAs, they are talking about the minimum to avoid disease, to avoid problems. Mm -hmm. They aren't talking about what is optimal. They aren't talking about what will help you, what will keep you full, what will help you build your body, what will help you with fat loss. They are just talking about the minimum amount for health um, or to avoid disease. So for most people, that is not going to be enough. So I'll pass on to somebody else to take it beyond that. Especially for um, women over 50. Yeah. You know, people in general in that higher age bracket are going to need more um, anyway. So, but in terms of, like you were saying, for general population, um, just that minimum is um, what they need, but probably even more than that. Um, but if you're resistance training, you probably want to get at least 1.2 or um, uh, 1.2, 1.8 to 2 and over plus um, per kilogram of body weight um, there. But, yeah, like I said, oh, you know, for the elderly, you know, they're really going to need it as well. They're going to need that little bit more, I feel. Even yeah, though there, there is a minimum recommendation. Yeah, that's a good point about the older, the older, older that we get. Interestingly enough, the more that we actually need to to retain the muscle that we have, and um, mm. and so yeah, that uh, that all the current research definitely points to higher amounts being more beneficial mm. than that than that minimum that is typically touted as the RDA. 
and um, of, of that 0.8 grams per kilogram. And for us Americans, just div uh, just divide that by 2.2, and that's <laughs> that'll convert it to pounds for you. Um, and and so yeah, so that kind of 1.2, like you had mentioned, 1.6 kind of in that range, maybe just for, for the average active person uh, who's just trying to, who's doing a few workouts a week, maybe doing group classes, doing a little lifting here and there, maybe not heavy duty, serious resistance training. And then as you get doing more heavy resistance training, it may be beneficial, like you were saying, to go even higher to that 1.8 or two or, or even more. And, um, and then vice versa, it's kind of interesting too, because we, we also find that when you're trying to lose weight, if that's your goal and you're eating in a calorie deficit, that protein is, is really even more important uh, in many ways than when you're trying to build muscle. Obviously, when you're building muscle, you need enough to replenish it. But when you're in that calorie deficit, that, that higher protein has been shown to be very beneficial in retaining that, that lean body mass, that muscle mass when when you're losing weight because we know when we're when you lose weight you're always going to be losing some fat mass and some lean mass and so we want to of course minimize the loss of lean mass so uh, any thoughts on that ian that's probably some stuff that comes from the bodybuilding world too that they've done really well yeah i mean the the irony of bodybuilding it was very bro um yet it's almost like the scientific researchers caught up because you have to start with anecdote first of all and then go away and test it so maybe back in the day the consumption was too like not too high um but like excessive um mm -hmm. because we can eat in quite a large range and as well like people have different regulators of appetite me personally like I probably eat a little bit more than what is recommended because I really enjoy protein. Um, mm -hmm. Like a plate without it just seems empty, um, you know. And like it, it really, it is really satiating as well as you've mentioned. So, it, I guess the the recommendations are going to be based on like how active a person is. But even from uh, like for a sedentary person, it's still important if mm -hmm. they are trying to lose weight. Um, that they retain as much and maximal amount of body fat as possible. And I guess that is the, the end kind of goal of a bodybuilder is to get on that stage or that photo shoot looking their absolute best. And that's what general population want to do. They say, I want to lose weight. But what they're actually saying is, I want to look amazing in that dress by the beach for that occasion and all of that. And nobody wants to go, oh, they don't go, oh, I really want to be skinny fat. You know, like that's not really a, a particular goal. I've never heard of it. You know, you know what? I want, I want flabby bits, but I want to weigh less on the scale. But the irony is a lot of people in the pursuit of just chasing this number on the scale is almost prepared to do the opposite of what we kind of um, recommend, which is, hey, to do excess cardio, they under eat calories, they under eat protein, they lose weight, they've lost lean body mass as well as mm -hmm. fat mass, but all they're caring about is, and then when they rebound, they typically regain a lot of body fat, but they don't regain a lot of lean body mass because they're still on a low protein diet and they're not training with resistance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, well, people don't understand that either. So it's, they don't know the difference between um, losing 
uh, weight and losing body fat because they're, they're two totally different things. So getting back to the protein, <laughs> you know, you're going to be more beneficial having uh, protein. So you try and also resistance training to try and maintain the muscle that you have because as we know, as you diet, you're not only losing body fat, but you're losing water and um, body fat and muscle as well. So um, keeping a hold of that muscle is really important, especially for women over 50. Um, they lose uh, at least 1% per year, it's shown, uh, for women over 50. So more important for them to be eating more protein and resistance training. Absolutely. I think it's when I certainly find, I don't know about you guys, but when people come to me that have never, haven't got any um, previous knowledge of dieting or training or any of those things, they have one, don't understand protein at all. Um, they just eat food and they probably eat too much food if they're coming for weight loss. Um, and, I, you know, you go through their diet with them. And if you if you sort of think of the average person, they will have a carb-based breakfast. It could be toast, toast and marmalade, you know, toast and jam, quick, out the door, ready for work. It could be cereal. You know, you've practically got no protein in that breakfast at all. If you're having cereal, yeah. you've got a bit of milk, but you're going to have negligible amount of protein in the amount of milk you have on the cereal. You go to work, mm -hmm. you grab a sandwich, you grab, I don't know, a packet of crisps and a a diet coke or something um again depending on your choice of sandwich the protein's going to be pretty low because you've only got a small amount you can fit in that sandwich so you can get halfway through your day and maybe you're only up to 10 or 15 grams of protein and then probably most people's dinners aren't so bad because they'll tend to choose some kind of meat fish poultry type of um sauce unless they're vegetarian or anything so they can be ending their day on 30, 40 grams of protein, which, you know, we could be recommending yeah. someone has in one meal. So I think it's a bit of an eye opener for people that have never understood the composition of the foods that they're eating. Um, and it can be a massive eye opener when they go, oh, wow, I had no idea I was eating so little. Have you guys found that as well? I was actually thinking about that today. When I was like a lot younger, um, I, I didn't even know what protein was. I just, it was just meat and, you know, mm. vegetables. That, that was what it was called. Mm. I didn't know that it was called protein. Yeah. <laughs> and you hear it a lot more now, especially with, um, you know, shows like MasterChef. They're mm. always talking about, you know, adding protein to their meals. Mm. Um but yeah, it was something that when I thought about it today, I I don't remember ever calling it protein. No. <laughs> so yeah, I, I never knew about it, but I obviously do now. Mm. But um, yeah, like a lot of people, they just don't know what it is and what what it comprises of, what it's in. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that's where it comes back to a bit of education. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely found that also. Um, what you're saying, Sarah, with people not realizing 
when when they when they don't look at their the composition of their meal and and they they suddenly do often realize just how little protein they're getting or how it's not spread out very well over the course of the day because while you know it, it the m number one factor is that we're getting enough for the entire day and our body is pretty good at at using the the nutrients that we take in at different times of the day and using it when it's needed but but there are some advantages to to kind of spreading it out throughout the day and having protein more often and it also makes it easier to get that that full amount if you're not trying to get it all in in one meal so yeah i've definitely definitely seen that as well and uh, how do you guys address it uh, like with your with your clients obviously you know if you're using a tracking approach you can just tell someone hey here's your goal uh, i want you to get 100 grams of protein or 90 grams of protein or 150 grams of protein and so you know go go track that and and make sure that you're getting it uh I, you know that's one way but um you know i i know that we don't always use tracking approaches with with clients and so how do you how do you guys typically work with somebody to, to help them get enough protein i, I mean to... sorry, sorry but no, i was going to i was just going to say is potentially journaling and maybe looking at my fitness pal or a tracking app purely as a journal not as like not as like trying to hit specific numbers but just um like a recall and then being able to look at that and that's obviously their generally their typical habits around nutrition and then start like looking around um you know how you can manipulate that um and maybe just focus on the certain things like for me i think breakfast is one of the most challenging times for people but it's also one of the most important times because mm -hmm. like that's usually the time that you've been fasting the longest so you know the longer you go without that protein intake you know the more at risk you are at muscle loss so I, if if anything i would rather see someone have if they were having two protein feedings per day i'd have it first thing in the morning and last thing at night but i yes there's a lot of time in between there as well where we can get enough protein per serving as well which is something we can probably get on to but what were you going to say sorry sarah I was just going to say it depends where they're starting from. So I would probably look at, you know, if they are just having toast and jam for breakfast, well, could they add some eggs to that instead of the jam? Could they have, you know, if they're having a Muller light yogurt, could they swap that for a Greek yogurt? You know, just seeing where they're at. Could they still have the toast and jam and add a protein shake if they've got breakfast on the go? You know, it, it just see where they're at and add it and just kind of think, well, have a protein source at each meal. You know, if, you, mm -hmm. if you've added a protein to your breakfast, your lunch and your dinner, and that protein is between 25 and 30-ish grams, you're not gonna go massively wrong and you've probably in increased it a lot from where you're at. And then once that's become a habit, you can then work on it being maybe a little bit more tailored with the grams, etc. But I think for most people, certainly that I work with, they're coming from such, you know, then they're, they're not, knowledgeable on it at all so it's just making it easy for them and to get them to understand it that's kind of where i start really you've touched on something there too is um a habit because most people that well at least that we come across um eat a lot of carbs and fat and don't get a lot of protein so actually asking them to include protein and trying to spread it out throughout the day 
is really, really difficult because they are not used to it. Mm. And so sometimes you've got to have that bit of education for them as well so that they know what um, protein is because a lot of people just can associate it with just meat when it's not just meat. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of other um, things that you can get protein from and dairy and st- stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be hard for people who don't normally do it. But it's like you said, it's just something that you need to start um, incorporating and maybe just doing it slowly rather than, you know, changing up your whole, you know, meals throughout the day because it just won't last. It's just about changing a little bit. Like you say, if they're having toast and jam in the morning, it might be just a case of, you know, changing it to eggs on toast instead of the the jam. Mm. Yeah, I I like that. That's typically what I do too, is just trying to help them at a starting point, be mindful of of getting protein at each each feeding. And um, when it comes to with with kids teenagers and and adults as well uh one of the one of the things i I always typically do too to bring it in to give them some sort of motivation and reason for maybe being more mindful of adding protein at each feeding is that satiety effect i can't remember who mentioned it earlier but protein has that has a powerful effect on our appetite and satiety it's very sustaining it carries us over and so it, it not only is it beneficial for us to to get enough protein over the course of the day but one of the big benefits of that is it helps us to really manage our appetite so if we can get some protein at breakfast as an example you know if i eat i can eat um i'm i'm a big bagel person and a couple times a week i usually grab a couple of bagels and i just eat them plain i just like them that way and that's about 700 800 calories depending on what kind of bagels i get for those two those two two bagels at, at seven or eight hundred calories um, fills me up immediately, but it's all carbs basically, and it doesn't sustain me very long. I mean, I'm, I start getting hungry again mid morning, whereas if I have eggs uh, and oatmeal, which rounds out to maybe four hundred and fifty or five hundred calories the way I make it, um, that sustains me well till lunch. I don't even need a morning snack, even though I typically have one. And so just that addition of protein has a really powerful effect. And if we carry that over into our own eating, uh, then we don't have to, we don't have to really think about, well, what do I need to cut out? What do I need to stop eating? And that kind of thing. It's thinking more of an, from an additive perspective, Hey, what can I add to my, to my meals to make them more sustaining? And when it comes to kids and teenagers, that can really help them too, to manage their appetite throughout the day minimize grazing and that kind of thing if if at each one of the opportunities you give them to to eat whether it's a snack or or a full-blown meal that you include a protein source there is one of the options and and uh, it really makes a big difference uh, especially with snacks i think snacks is one of those things that we we easily overlook you know it's, it's easy enough at meals to say yeah add some protein but i think it's really important to emphasize even at our snack times to think of them more as like little mini meals and make them more sustaining too because then they'll carry us over and and we're less likely to then go and get more snack and more snack and keep snacking trying to uh quench that appetite i think i think uh sandy sorry uh touched on it there before as well in terms of people's 
education i think that the food industry has jumped on the protein bandwagon as well so like protein everything and you know mm -hmm. we've got protein bars we've got protein cereal we've got like you know and for them I, i'm sure i read it like they only have to have protein as something like 12 percent of their intake or like that's on the label or something so they can like almost say Weetabix for example like if it's eight grams yeah. if it's eight grams of protein in it's normal Weetabix but if they put that to 12 grams of Weetabix uh, protein per like serving it's now protein Weetabix but as I said yeah. at the beginning we're talking about essential amino acids like nine of them um, and these have just probably added more gluten in and we can't even trust supplement companies that give us whey protein or protein shakes because they can do something called protein spiking where they just put a whole bunch of cheap amino acids in so it increases the protein or nitrogen content and it has that amount of protein in but what those proteins are made up of really don't do what proteins meant to do so like that's why it's quite kind of important that the quality of that protein is relatively high as as well alongside with the quantity of that protein the like the bioavailability of it so whether our body's able to like take that protein and extract it and actually utilize it is super important and this is where like people who have plant-based diets or rely too heavily on ultra processed foods are going to maybe struggle and they're just almost like ignorant going oh yeah i had protein for breakfast and it's like yeah but what is that you know like let's let's explore that a little bit so I just thought that that was in my head before i get that out yeah it's just given me like i've got two things now because what you've just said i've got to come back to because that's one of my biggest bugbears and it's going to be a um instagram post i've got planned for this week but just going quickly back to what jeff was saying I mean, take away the fact that, like, who wants to eat a plain bagel? I mean, like, that's just weird. <laughs> um, of course, if you were a plain bagel eater, you could say, right, I'm going to have half the bagel and add the scrambled egg or whatever it was that he suggested. And so you've still got a bit of what you normally have, but you've pimped it up, if you like. Um, that was what I was just going to say then. But going back to what Ian's just said, one of my biggest bugbears and it just really irritates me because I see it on social media all the time is people get given their macros they get given a protein target and like we said when we were talking about tracking it's like I've got to hit that number no matter what so their breakfast is like a mug cake or you know a protein bar they'll have a protein bar as a snack they'll have a protein pancake with something for lunch and then their dinner might be some other form of manufactured protein. And they're not taking into account exactly what you just said, Ian, that the whole point of protein is to be able to get from it what is good for you. And most of these manufactured products don't have the good quality proteins that we're looking for. And you know, they're fine to have a supplement. It's great to have a protein bar. If you're going to have a Mars bar or something, great. You're going to get that extra bit of protein. But you cannot base your entire nutrition and your diet on these protein products. And it, I see it all the time because they sell, don't they? They've got fancy packaging. They've got protein 
sort of plastered all over the front. They get made into these Instagram-worthy pictures that people, like, want to go and do. And that's what's happening. And people are forgetting the actual <laughs> nuts and bolts of why they're supposed to have protein in the first place. So it's a little bit of a mini rant for me, but it really irritates me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it well. irritates me as well. I think you a lot of people... The, like the protein bars. Yeah, I think a lot of people yeah I think a lot of people forget as well like you're not just getting protein but you're getting calcium you're getting b12 you're getting iron you're getting all of these other things from like whole foods um and for me anyway with protein bars I just think the kind of like I don't I don't know what's in them I've never really looked it up like um you know, it's just like people just take it face value. So like, I don't really consume any of them. Um, whereas something like whey protein, we know that's like dairy and that's probably the most bioavailable source of protein. And that's kind of considered the gold standard. And that's what they usually measure all other protein against. Um, but, you know, like for the most part, I would say we want at least kind of like in a person's day, three good, robust protein feedings, um, you know, and as Jeff says, maybe one mini meal or a snack that's protein based also like mine's generally like a protein shake because the relatively cheap, got great shelf life, hugely bioavailability, available and very practical. Like you can take it anywhere and that alongside something, it's just almost take bridging a gap between meals like it's another opportunity to stimulate protein synthesis um but yeah like i've got um i don't really like the whole protein market i just yeah. think most protein bars taste like shit anyway i mean <laughs> i'm not i see these people going you know oh i've got my protein bar blah, blah. and i i have tried a few and I have yet to find one that you sit there and you bite into it and you're chewing it and you're chewing it and you're chewing it and you're like, oh, I, can't, I can't even swallow the thing. And it's got that horrible powdery aftertaste. And I'm just like, how is that enjoyable? You're just tricking yourselves because you think it's healthy. I mean, for me, I'd much yeah. rather have a whey protein shake and a Kit Kat for the same calories. You know, the Kit Kat tastes nice. It's low calorie chocolate bar. And I've got all my goodness from the protein shake. And it's probably lower calorie than having the protein bar in the first place. So yeah. I don't think I don't think people realise that with the protein bars um, that are made, they're all different uh, qualities. And most of the protein that they put in them are usually blends or like a soy or something like that. So you're not getting a quality protein when you buy protein bars they're very few and far between i've found probably one or two um they taste okay but like you say it's not something that you want to be using as your you know um, protein source on a daily basis and i think that's what people do they think oh yeah I've got to get some protein. So they go and look for the, all of those different products like cereals and muesli bars and things like that. And they've got protein plastered all over them. And they think, well, that's the easiest way to get protein. I'll just, you know, pick that. Whereas, you know, you need to be looking for more, you know, animal-based products or even, well, we haven't even really talked about how there's complete proteins and incomplete proteins. 
So, you know, it's, you're going to get incomplete proteins um, through a lot of your um, plant-based um, products. But yeah, and again, this is all about education as well with protein and knowing what to choose. And it's always going to come back to whole foods rather than, you know, processed processed foods. I think yeah. that's a podcast on its own, vegan, vegan vegetarianisms mm-hmm. and all of that. Maybe we'll leave that for another day. We, yeah, we yeah. We just make people aware of that, but we're not going to go into that right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, there's and some other things. Whey that are, protein? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's some other th- other interesting things with, with protein. And, you know, Ian mentioned getting it from whole foods. Well, I think all of us have mentioned it at some point about getting it from whole foods and the benefit of that, because you get the other benefits along with it when you're getting this isolated protein or when you're focusing just on protein, then you can miss out on some of the benefits that come from some of these different sources. Like iron is a good example that, which is uh, very available in things like beef and and then all of the other nutrient uh, B12 and those kinds of things that we find in those sources. And so that whole food based approach can really be really be a good way to ensure that you're getting adequate nutritional uh, intake without having to f- focus on those little micronutrients and stuff like that just makes the, the diet overall easier if we're doing it that way. Um, one of the other things that I think uh, I thought I'd bring up too with protein is that I know Probably some of our listeners either have prediabetes or diabetes and always probably looking for different ways to help better manage their blood sugars and that kind of thing. And so one of the interesting things with with protein is that when you have a meal that includes not only carbs and fat, but also protein, when you have these mixed meals, we find that it really helps with uh, managing blood sugar better. It, It minimizes the spikes to a good extent when you have those different macronutrients as part of the meal. And uh, also protein does stimulate insulin release and insulin is, is what helps dispose of the glucose in the bloodstream. And so when you do have that, and, and there's even some research that's uh, showing that, that, that the, that the impact of how protein causes insulin to release is different than the way that carbs do. And so it kind of goes through a different pathway which is really beneficial too. So it can, it can really help with, um, with people who are struggling with, with higher levels of blood sugar if they focus on and, and keep, um, keep protein intake in mind with all of their meals. So I did want to make that point too. And I, I think that's an important one just for the general population to, to understand another, another incentive to kind of make sure that you're getting enough protein in there. It's funny how, sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. I was just going to say on that note, um, if you are, you know, a larger person and say, say, you know, your weight is going up, you know, to the higher numbers, um, there is also like a point where you probably, if you go just on the figures, so let's say, you know, we said to somebody that's wanting to lose weight, then, you know, somewhere between sort of maybe 1.4 and 1.82 grams per kilogram. If you are a larger person, then there is a cutoff where you don't really need to have that much protein and you won't get the added benefit from it. So, you know, if you were just having a reasonable amount 
and spending those extra calories on lots of fruits and veggies and whole grains that are going to fill you up too it's that what is it again the point of diminishing returns where you go so far and it's going to be really good for you but just going that extra bit isn't going to make a huge amount of difference to you so if you are one of those people listening don't think that you've got to eat 200 250 grams of protein a day because it's probably not going to make that much difference you know if you were eating somewhere between 100 and 150 you're probably going to be more on the right um road really i think as well like if i've i've heard and read in a few places which is a good suggestion like people if they've got excessive weights to like weight to lose say someone's 150 200 kilos go for like 400 grams of protein is going to be a lot of protein and like as you said too much we we all know the uh not to get crude what a high pro too high protein (laughs) diet does um but going off a person's height usually quite falls in line so in centimeters so someone's 175 centimeters tall like 175 grams of protein is you know a good target to go at but yeah usually the people with significant amounts of body fat um, can get a little bit lost off with that but maybe they also struggle with appetite a little bit more so may want to like urge on the the side of that that higher um kind of consumption but i was just thinking when jeff mentioned diabetes it's just funny how all of these disease states and all of these kind of things polycystic ovary syndrome and all of that it all just comes back to like have a healthy balanced diet you know like eat lots of protein like resistance train be you know fit and healthy and physically active and all of this sort of stuff like it's you know everybody's looking for this magic blueprint and it usually all filters back towards like that these kind of key fundamentals that we're placing our focus on and yeah there might be some outliers that need a bit more specialization but for the most part we're trying to get like a general uh, shift in habits. You see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> that, that actually seems like that was a really nice way of uh, kind of summarizing a lot of what we were talking about today. Maybe this is a good time to um, start wrapping up this episode. And maybe each of us can go around and give a few kind of final thoughts on protein, maybe maybe some practical thing that uh, that we can recommend for for people that are listening. And uh, so you want to start us off, Sarah? Um, so, yeah, I would I would probably say don't get hooked up on the numbers again. It, rather than just focusing on a number, focus on what you're actually having within that number. You know, try and get protein at every meal. Um, just as, you know, from a real basic perspective, this is our animal product. And from plant-based, we're talking about things like rice and peas and beans and legumes, nuts Mm -hmm. and seeds, that kind of thing. But just remember that the calories in a lot of those, the nuts and seeds and things especially, are quite high. So for the amount of protein you're going to get, so choose your sort of sources carefully. Look look things up, you know, look at the labels, see what protein is in it per serve and see maybe where you can swap to make it fit with your goals a little bit more. I would just say about getting a bit of variety as well. People tend to get stuck on, say, chicken (laughs) and we'll just have chicken every day. (laughs) Or, you know, they'll 
they'll find something they really like and they'll just continue to have it every day. But it's really important to get a variety of, you know, different forms of protein, um, different types of meats, different types of vegetables. And like you said, um, legumes and um, beans and things like that. It's really important to get that variety rather than just trying to stick to that, you know, one thing. That's what I would suggest. Yeah, oily fish, oily fish. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. You know, omegas Love and all that. Yeah. yeah, but I would, uh, yeah, like I would probably say, just understand that it's all in a range. Your your body isn't that fine tuned, so like, don't get perfectionistic with these like kind of numbers. Like, also look when you are if you are like kind of tracking your protein what this looks like from a habitual point of view like what does a lump of protein that has that amount in on your plate look like how does it make you feel be willing to experiment um but yeah just kind of mainly focus on whole foods have at least two good servings per day ideally at the start and the end of the day and you know even better one or two in between and yeah yeah i think those are all great points and and i would kind of carry on with what everybody else has said here too um i think it's really easy with especially the the messages that we get from a lot of the the fitness influencers fitness messages where there's sometimes this uh focus on like making sure i think it was sarah that was talking about you know making sure you're getting the the exact amount and that you're and kind of overthinking how much to get and all of those kinds of things and i think coming back to just the one of the the most practical things i think sandy you mentioned variety i think variety is such an important thing just to get a variety of sources of protein and that will probably make sure that you're getting enough uh if you just kind of mindfully think hey you know i'm going to try and get protein at each feeding doesn't mean you always will but if that's one of the things that you're thinking about when you're putting together a meal and a snack and and something throughout the day uh if you do that if you're getting protein at most of the time at most of your feeding times and you're getting a good variety of it then you're probably going to get the protein that you need to sustain uh, what what goals you have obviously if you're an athlete of some kind uh you know if you have uh, very high performance related goals, then there may be more detail that you need to pay, you know, you may need to pay more attention to that. But in general, I think if you get that variety, have it at each meal, then you're going to be really set up nicely to have, get all the protein you need without having to overthink it or, or really worry about it. So, uh, all right. Well, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up for today. And so we appreciate everybody listening to the, uh, to our our podcast and uh, please leave a uh, review subscribe that helps us a lot too uh, helps us move up in the rankings if you have any questions at all uh, don't forget that we do have the habit shift uh, group Facebook group where uh, we share the podcast and where we can have some interactive conversations you can join us there ask questions and get uh, additional sort of group general based coaching from us in there which is kind of a nice little thing get some different perspectives uh, also from the other group members and so we'd encourage you to join our group there and uh, and participate in that community as well so thanks again for joining us and we look forward to having another conversation again uh next time bye bye, bye.